0: Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Canton III, and I'm happy to say that we are beginning our coverage of the Disney Plus series, *Miss Marvel, created by Bisha K. Ali, and I, I have so many thoughts about this show already after seeing this first episode, but... Let me just introduce the panel real quick. It's a panel of one tonight as Jake Christie, the super producer, is here. Jake, how are you, sir?
1: I'm doing well. I wish it was a panel of three. uh, But unfortunately, there's some technical issues uh, that we experienced the one Black Dragon roll, but he'll be back for episode two. It's just the one episode that will just be the two of us.
0: Um, Exactly. We love you, Jerome, and we'll see you next week. But yes, Miss Marvel, this show based off of, I would say, one of the newer characters in, in the Marvel Universe. And I think uh, a, a fun backstory is kind of Kevin Feige and co, I think in like 2019, 2020, took about a year to try and cast this role. And it was very extensive from every interview that you hear. And they casted one Iman Valani, as kamala khan and i would love to start there because simply put she is incredible she's an she's yeah, incredible, she, yeah. absolutely incredible yeah. she's ahead. the reason
1: why the show wor- such as it works it works because she's in, in just a magnetic presence and i think that when you hear about stories of like them cast t- spending like a year casting i think that there's some roles that that kind of is like okay what are you doing but Sometimes, with a role like this, or like another famous one recently, was when they did Spieler did West Side Story. They spent a year casting, like, they did 10,000 different Marias. And when you watch the movie, it's like, oh, right, because if this role is imperfect, then the movie's not good. And this is similar in that it's a new character. People are like somewhat familiar with her, but because it's such a new character, so much of the character is going to be created as the show is being written. You know what I mean? Like, it, and the character is also so interior. Because she's her story is not very external. It's about it's very internal by its nature. It's not like Iron Man. Part of his story is that he puts on you know uh, metal and blows up people. The most important parts of the Miss Marvel story is her inner journey. And so if you're if you don't like spending time with whoever is at the center of the frame, then the show doesn't work. And she is incredibly winning. She is incredibly charming. You really feel for her. She looks like a teenager. I think they just the gear was spent well. Um, And I'm really sad Jerome's not here because we got shout out. You know where she's from? The Great White North, baby.
0: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And kind of before we get into the uh, the episode itself, um, just general thoughts and kind of like your feelings about what the aesthetics of the show look like to you. Um, Obviously, Jersey City is the main uh, location. I'll be honest with you, I'm
1: a little disappointed. I'm disappointed in the Jersey City representation. I wasn't going to get to it this early. I think that some of the stuff they shot is just plainly not in the areas I lived or went to. It seems like it's a lot of the stuff further past Journal Square, which unless you live up there, there's no reason to go there. But there's also just a lot of stuff. Like the buses just don't look like New Jersey buses. There's, it just, I was a little, I'm a little bit disappointed with (laughs) the Jersey City representation. Like I said, I think that the main neighborhood, like the strip they're on, Right, I believe it's just an area near, I believe it's called the Five Corners neighborhood, um, which I just didn't spend a lot of time with because it's like it's one of those places where it's far out so you wouldn't go there. But I, I wish there was um, more stuff at the water. And, you know, I feel like a lot of times the, the Jersey area across the river, the main character of it is just that you can see New York where it's like there's a lot happening there. Anyway, we'll talk about this as the show goes on. I didn't want
0: to do this three <laughs> minutes in. I did. I did not know that was coming, but I'm glad that it did. So... I was thinking about this when I when I saw the the beginning of the episode for the first time, and the more that I think about it, the more it rings true that, in a lot of ways, Kamala Khan is I can relate to her so much as a fan of this. Uh, if you if you think about the 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 great start with the animation package to kind of like going over going through the battle with Thanos and stuff like that some of the nice little MCU nuggets that they answer a question that a few people have asked just generally like how do all of these people know what happened in that battle if nobody was there and the answer is that Scott Lang has a podcast and my first thought about that was how is Luis not his co-host it should be Scott how do you know he's and- not well, I how mean, do you not know
1: always say, I mean, it could be like the Dan Levitar show where they have to add the withs to gods, you know, like I you mean, it's got to be a podcast. <laughs> I mean, back Shepard doesn't put Monica Padman in the title of the show. Like it happens plenty of times where they don't it, it's he probably is, although he probably has like a word limit of uh, how many words he can say mm-hmm. in an episode because he'll just like talk over the guest the whole time.
0: But but yeah, nonetheless, I mean, it was fun to get that stuff. But I think more so than anything else, you get immediately introduced to this fangirl character who I think embodies what like a lot of, I think not only comic book fans, but just general fans who really pay attention to these things and are really like on detail. And I think that that goes a lot to Iman's uh, chops herself in terms of being a comic book fan. There's a lot of stories about that that we'll get to throughout the series, but that were that relatability like comes off the page right there. And I thought it was a great way to kind of like introduce um, who she is and and everything like that.
1: And, and I think the thing that it shows is that, and this is the thing that I would say almost any young person who has like a very obsessive fandom, not for, and this is not to cast aspersions on it because I am me and people will tell you that I've been as me as I currently am my entire life. But it's often very in hindsight it's so transparently a way you're trying to grip onto an identity and i like that it's it's not really it's not like they play it like oh my god the avengers are so important to her because they save the world it's like no the avengers are important to her and she can't put it this way it's because like this is the way that she identifies herself you know what i mean that she is struggling for an identity and she uses the fandom to do that and that doesn't mean that it's an unhealthy thing but i think it's just very it's it it's not she's not a big fan, just for plot reasons. Yeah. It, it makes sense with her character of if you're someone who is struggling with identity, like that's why there's so many teenage fandoms because it's like if you're a it's hard to be a teenager and hard to find your identity, and there's a lot of identity to be found in being a fan of something,
0: yeah, for sure, for sure and 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 with with that, it it was just a great way I felt to. Like put us in the put us and see what she sees through her eyes in terms of how much she loves this stuff. And and with that, the daydreaming. I, I that's something that we see throughout this episode that I love too, because it just brings me back to times that I would be daydreaming about hero stuff when I was a young myself. So I think there's just something like uh that's that's pretty that's pretty awesome. Like I that's how yeah. it's like it brings out the it brings out I would say a joy that in a lot of phase four stuff, I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoy a lot of the phase four stuff and most of it generally, but I think this, this feels fresh in a way that um, most of these other things are just continuations of previous characters that we've seen.
1: Ironically, I feel like even though there's a character that's existence is so indebted to the existence of the Avengers, the way that she relates to pre-existing characters is completely different. Like, it's not like she, she doesn't know any of the pre-existing characters. Mm. She, so it's her relationship to the, her relationship to Carol Danvers is not at all like, uh, any superheroes. Like, it's not like Captain America's relationship to Sam Wilson. Cause they know each other. Like, it's a completely different perspective. And so it's, it's not like she's just being recruited into the Avengers. Like every other superhero is she's observing them. And that's kind of informing her and it allows her to, have the wonder about it and, and i think it also is a perspective that's interesting to see because so many times superheroes of superhero movies have tried to do like the the dark reality of living in a world of superheroes whether it's you know Alfred Woodard confronting uh, robert downey jr in a hallway you know mm-hmm. but uh, there's also like if there were people who actually did save the world who actually did bring back half the population there. I'm, it's interesting to see the way that it's, they're talked about in a positive or not just negative light. And so that's like a fun thing to observe as a big fan of the MCU, but it also doesn't really distract from her growth as a character.
0: No, it doesn't at all. And instantly after that, we get introduced to Kamala's family, her dad Yusuf, uh, her mother Muniba, and her, her brother Amir. All of these... I love this family. They're just... Uh, they're, they're They're very, they're very colorful... Uh, they have very very eclectic personalities. Uh, more on Yusuf later because he's just great. He's my
1: just... he's my guy. I a big fan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> more on Yusuf later, but but the sh- but the show cut the show starts obviously with with Kamala taking the driver's test and flunking it. The, for, for her first time, and yes, I've been there myself. So again, more relatability with that with that character the, the first time, feeling a little bit nervous or daydreaming and stuff like that, and you get in a little bit of little bit of trouble there. But um, I love the way that it kind of brought the title cards, which it, it, you know, in a lot of ways, um, it reminds me of the way that that Rami kind of does the same thing with. We have a little joke thing, and then the title cards flash, and then and then it goes back to it. But,
1: I mean, Robbie didn't invent that. That's like I'm that's not saying. Oh no, 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 okay. This is I'm, I'm, speaking, say, like, that's I'm a just what, what
0: oh. I was. Yeah, what I was gonna add was yeah. it's just like something that, like, f- just from my perspective, because I know, like, For I'm sure. sure culturally, that's something that uh, that that probably happens more. So, um, in those, instances. I was gonna say.
1: I mean, you know what it is, because I grew up on white sitcoms. That is just classic white sitcom stuff. Okay, um, gotcha. But no, uh, I wasn't gonna say. I think I really want to talk about though is yes. This show has a look and like a visual language that is unique in a way that I think they have we haven't really seen explored enough, I don't think, in the TV shows. Like, obviously, the shows kind of have their own look, like in terms of the colors and the palette and all that. But the visual language of like how thoughts and like text messages are displayed in like the world, Mm -hmm. it feels like. It feels like even though they're not literally first-person shots, it feels like the entire show exists through uh, her, through Kamala's eyes. Sorry, Kamala's eyes. I knew I was going to do that. It exists through Kamala's <laughs> eyes. Um, it's The fact that there's a vice president—anyway, it exists through her eyes mm-hmm. is so—every frame— is about her, even if it's not directly focused on her, because you know that she is imagining the text she's reading in the signs, that she's imagining all these things happening, and it really gives a rich life world to every moment she has.
0: Oh, for sure, for sure, and this plot is kind of based on her wanting to go with go go with her her pal Bruno, played by Matt Lintz, uh, we'll talk about here, as they want to go to AvengerCon, which sounds like uh, a great place to go uh if if anything uh i've heard uh kevin feige talk about actually doing an avenger con and yes please do so i would definitely go to that just
1: don't put it don't put it in like you know an hour and a half out of uh, in new jersey just don't do that <laughs> that's my biggest problem if, if the if avenger con happened right either it's in the san diego hall or I'm just saying it is in the Javits Center, full stop. If there's zero chance that AvengerCon is not in the Javits Center, if it is in the tri-state area, I don't know what they're trying to do. They have put it at this freaking military base. that They have to come on, that's
0: ridiculous. Really I just love that they use Capsule Base for that. That's just great. That's just tremendous stuff. But but yes, one Bruno, who's Kamala's best buddy, and there is a lot of uh, there's a lot of already schoolboy crush thing going on there. A little it brings you into the whole teen drama element. So that's another thing. Like I bring myself back back in the days when you're when you're seeing all of these sitcoms and has that will they, won't they uh feel to it, even though he's really being the supportive friend who's always around her, Kamala and her family as well. They're very close and tight knit. What did you think of Bruno's character?
1: I think that the thing that is nice about it is it is not and I'm not saying you're saying this, it's not played like he's friends with her because he secretly likes her. Yes. The way that's played is the moment on the rooftop where he has kind of a moment is it's a feeling that anyone who kind of grew up in the same spot and had the same friends and had friends of the opposite sex has the feeling of, it's like, Oh, what? Like it, it kind of hits you at some point as a teenager. Like, wait, do I like, like this person in a different way now? Like I, th- I've never saw this. Like I've never seen this person in this way before. But now, like, as I look at them, it's like, you know, what I mean, and that is the way it's played is that and you can tell that's a little bit reciprocal from her. But obviously, clearly, it's more from him. Um, and I think that that's really sweet that it's like he is actually being a supportive friend. It's all but he's like, you know, maybe is there something more here? And that's always, you know, a great story. I'm a big fan of will they, won't they? I'm a fan of sweet relationships and movies and television um, because they make me happy. And it doesn't need to be any more complicated than that.
0: Oh, absolutely. And not only we meet Bruno, but we also meet Nakia. uh it's, a, it's another another one specifically comic book wise has a very close relationship with Kamala. I'm interested to see how they they play stuff with her going forward, but we'll get to that later. And we didn't get a lot of her in this episode. But what was what were your first impressions?
1: Uh, I think that, and I can't speak too much to it, but I think that um, when you're doing a show that is uh, about A you know a not underrepresented group, uh, in a big universe like this, I think it's important to. And I know I'm sounding like a politician, but I really do mean this. That like it's important to show the wide range of experiences. You know what I mean? Because like I think that if the show, if um, if Kamala existed as like the only major uh, Muslim character or character of South Asian, Middle Eastern, North African descent, then I think that that kind of would put too much pressure on it i like that you see the different perspectives yeah. um and i think that she also then serves as a character going forward where it's like that you can kind of have your cake and eat it too where bruno sees the superpowers but she still has a friend she needs to hide it from and so that really is like a good uh it's a good way like it's said, have your cake and eat it. so you have a friend who's like the got man in the chair but you also have a friend who's like well, you've been acting weird lately. Not that that's happened in any future episodes, but that just you know what's going to happen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly. And so, basically, a lot of this this first episode plot revolves around Kamala wanting to go to Avengers Con, and her parents being like, eh, "I don't know about all that." It it, it was it was interesting to see the the different types of, and I, and I and I love this because you know, as a parent and you see your kids grow up, you you kind of get, you want to be on the same page, but yeah, there are kind of dissenting opinions on how to handle it. And I love how Yusuf and Maniba are talking completely differently when uh, Kamala asks about that. And then where Yusuf is like, well, no, I'm not saying that you're terrible. I'm not saying that you will do anything. And then Maniba's like, you know, you got to watch out. She's being a little bit more strict and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That interplay between them was very fun what did you feel obviously you already kind of we're on the same page as far as yusuf is concerned but muniba uh, playing such a such a um important part in this series as kamala's mom i I, th- I think the thing that they do smartly with it is i think
1: anytime you are portraying in american television like the there's the classic joke that you hear a lot where you know you'll be playing call of duty with a white kid on xbox live and he'll tell his mom go fuck yourself diane you know what i mean like there kind of is the expectation that like a white american culture parents are just too permissive and i think that there's there's i'm always afraid anytime a immigrant culture is portrayed in anything that they will that People can watch it and just be like, oh, my God, they're so strict. Why aren't they, like, nice to the kids or whatever? Right. And I think the thing that they play well here because it's nuanced is that, like any parent who says no, the, the reason why, you know, her mother is the way that she is is because of a fear and an uncertainty that is – that is informed by, you know, them being, you know, not n- of them being immigrants to this country, and informed by them not necessarily, you know, being ingrained in the same culture. And so it's it you sympathize with her, even if you don't agree with her. It's not played as like the classic, you know, like, oh my god, my parents are so old school, they don't like me to do anything. It's like, no, clearly there is she does not understand the world that her daughter is growing up in and more so than a regular parent and i think the way that they that, that that being the justification for why she is strict i think is something that is welcome because in any t- teen show parents saying no can just be the, some of the most annoying like mm-hmm. un-nuanced like uh screw them and i don't really feel that way i understand why and also i didn't know that it was taking place in like suburban new jersey until they went and absolutely the answer is no i was thinking it was in new york city it's like look just across the river why wouldn't you let her go but no going <laughs> out to like freaking like I, I also i always always under the impression that caps, like the military facility wasn't like deep Jersey. I was thinking it was near like Princeton. So I don't, obviously it isn't if they made it there from Jersey city, but still like, what the
0: hell? (laughs) That's great. And, and Amir later kind of talks on Kamala's behalf to kind of help her, you know, have a chance to go. And I think that's where you mentioned earlier about the text messages back and forth and how they appear on the screen. And it's a really nice aesthetic. That's where it's like, when you talk about the, about this feeling fresh and feeling different i just like i just like what they're doing they're, they're doing something different and again and and if and it feels good to watch when you're watching it but so obviously amir makes a little bit of a a play in that regard and one of probably besides kamala getting the powers my favorite scene by far is when maniba shows up as as kamala's dressed in her captain marvel outfit And Moneva says, yes, you can go to AvengerCon. And then we see Yusuf come in there as the Hulk. Just, it was perfect, perfect. You know what I'm going to say. Wash dad stuff right there.
1: Yes, that absolutely is wash behavior but it is okay because he is a man in his 50s with children who are teenagers and their 20s. The problem, I think the main problem Jerome and I have with your talking about WASH stuff is you should not relate to these characters. You are not that old. You're not as old as him. He is twenty, probably 20 plus years your your senior.
0: I will again again contend and Jerome tried to whisk away my claim that I am an old soul, but in fact, I just am. I think at some uh, point you you folks are gonna have to
1: be. AC, AC you were at the when you were a kid and you're at the dentist, you yes. would throw away the highlights magazine and start reading the National Review.
0: <laughs> yes, I was I was watching Matlock at age six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but for sure, but um you were you were saying as far as uh you were saying as far as uh use of that scene where Yusuf comes in as the Hulk and Kamala's mm-hmm. completely embarrassed She doesn't want to dress Mm -hmm. up as the Hulk. There's obviously a disconnect Mm -hmm. between that. And because she, you know, because Kamala's upset, she says something that hurts her dad. And I and I felt bad. And I and I realized. Uh, in like 10, 10, 15 years around that time, I'm probably going to be experiencing the same thing. Oh, goodness.
1: Yeah, I it is it is always, uh, and I joke about it. I've joked about this on the Discord before about how uh, I never relate to shows with rebellious teenagers because I was way too well-behaved. And people might be like, oh, Jake, that's a dumb thing to say. But don't worry, I didn't live a life, so it was not worth it. But um, I definitely did feel, in that moment, I related to it in a way I normally don't because her rebellion is not like, She's not like a rebellious kid on a teen drama where she's like smoking and drinking and, you know, going to parties and stuff. She just wants a very basic thing. And that is the thing I would want to do when I was by. And I think that the way that she hurts her parents is a way that is not like it is completely understandable for her to feel that way. And it is understandable for them to have the, the stance that they do. And so ultimately the fault is like she obviously shouldn't have said what she said, but it is it's clear that it's just an impasse that can't really be bridged because they just don't they just have such different experiences and views on things and like uh, and that that's kind of the tragedy of it we're like there is really no there is no way for her to go to venture con in a way that she'll enjoy and her parents will approve of like there's no threading that needle and that is kind of why this scene is so sad because it's not there is no compromise that would work
0: right right and then we go to the scene later where kamala talks to bruno about it which you mentioned earlier about Mm -hmm. where where eventually she's talking about obviously not only embarrassing her dad but just kind of like her feelings generally on on -hmm. all of these stuff talking about uh you know brown girls not being able to save the world and bruno giving that very looks her right in the face and with a very impassioned uh, what you call it Kamala, if you're gonna save the world, save the world, which um mm-hmm. which was a nice, which was a very very nice scene that um that that did did feel sweet as you like to say, mm-hmm. and um I, I greatly enjoyed. so then eventually they get into the they get into the whole planning of getting to Avenger con uh, without the parents involved, which was a which is another nice daydreaming sequence. Where Kamala just has this idea that this is going to go off without a hitch. And mind you, she Mm. she doesn't have any powers yet, but yet she still is thinking that she's going to be able to jump out of her Mm. window successfully. Uh, Mm. Her and Bruno biking off of of a bridge right onto a bus. All that boy that, was the
1: most egregious Jersey City thing because I know for a fact that that doesn't exist. At, and but more importantly, the neighborhood where they're showing that they live is incredibly like. They, I just there's some the, the, that scene specifically. I'm just like, come on, like you just shut down Journal Square bus station for a little bit, get some cameras in there. It's I mean that, that's real color. And of course, this is a bit. I don't actually care. But um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway.
0: But but yes, we earlier in the episode we. We uh we meet Zoe briefly, who kind of is the very popular kid, and and uh, Kamala's uh you know going through it. This there's, there's a couple of small scenes that you could kind of skip through in terms of the she meets with the guidance counselor, more daydreaming there, and she she kind of she has a she has a ball thrown at her right in the face, and there's a, just a lot of stuff in between, but obviously Avenger con is kind of like the main thing. So when it comes to planning time and when they actually have to do it, everything that she planned obviously doesn't go the way that it's supposed to go where she tries to jump out the window, but the, but obviously the branch breaks and she falls, which I'm surprised she wasn't a little bit more injured there than what she actually was. She was able to get up. Okay. From there. And of course her bike gets, uh, gets caught in the bus as they get there so she loses her she loses her bike, but they make it to AvengerCon, and this is where uh, things get a little bit interesting. Because before this, from from the from the Khan, uh family, there's this bangle that I think belonged to Maniba's mom, who which actually belonged to uh, Maniba's grandmother. But whenever Kamala had brought up the the bangle to her mom. Her mom is not exactly too thrilled about that stuff. So there's clearly something familial going on there that it looks like this show is going to address as it goes as it goes forward. I like a good family mm-hmm. mystery, Jake.
1: Yeah, I do, too. And I think that it's also like a good way to get her her powers in a way that doesn't feel unrelated to uh, her personal journey. Um that like it, it is in, our, in a strange twist of fate combining her two worlds, the world that she like that she is running towards, uh you know, the world of superheroes that she's getting superpowers from her cultural history, which I think is just a very mm-hmm. fascinating way to go about it. I I obviously know that there's been many a word spoken about the mm-hmm. difference in her powers between the comics. Is this where she gets how does she get her powers in the comics? uh Is it related to like an artifact or something like that?
0: Well it's the it's the terigen Crystals that created the Inhumans. Uh and like I think it mm. the Terrigen crystals explode and then it's almost like this kinda like gas-ish thing. And she was exposed to it and then got her powers after that. So the Inhumans thing, I mean, as we know, Marvel TV tried a very bad inhuman show that didn't last very long and It's pretty clear that, at least for this moment, even though we saw Black Bolt and Multiverse of Madness, that this is not something that the MCU necessarily wants to revisit too heavily. So they wanted to tell a different story. And basically from every interview that we've heard uh, from this show, is that in terms of Kamala's powers, they not only wanted to relate it to what's going to be going on in the marvels and what's happening there but also they wanted to make it uh personal to kamala's story so therefore it doesn't do her story any injustice which i think i think from what i've seen so far i don't have an issue with it it's it it doesn't bother me I will admit like I, when I first heard about it I was a little bit skeptical but when you hear from the from the creator the co-creator and the way that they're passionate about telling this particular story and it's their culture at the same time I think at some point you have to let the creators create and that's part of the uh, part of the whole thing. and I think that
1: I think that having like I've seen what the powers look like in the comics, and I there are obviously are different significant differences. Um, but I feel like at their core, like the bits of you know, basically the embiggening powers and things like that, and like extending her hands and all that, like that is. If I was not a fan, if I was just kind of vaguely aware of Miss Marvel's powers, mm-hmm. and I saw the show, but I wasn't necessarily a huge fan of the comics. I like didn't really read them. I'd be like, "Oh yeah, this seems like they kind of changed them a little bit, but it's, it doesn't feel like a radical change in power set, right. at least to me." Like it was originally, people were worried about, and that's of course if someone disagrees, and that's completely fine. But I feel like there definitely is still the it definitely I still definitely get the vibe that one for powers is to like make her hands really big. And like, that kind of felt like that was the essential thing about her as a character. And not mm-hmm. that the other stuff doesn't matter. But like the fact that that's still there, even if it looks a little different. Um, I don't know. I, I can't really speak on it because it's not something that was, quote unquote, important to me to begin with. But I was just wanted to check in with how you felt that it was.
0: Right. And I think the contention from most who not only have a, have a cultural kin to Kamala, but also just like comic book readers in general, the feeling on the powers is it kind of speaks to what makes, her, what makes her different and what makes her realize in those books that her being different is okay. It, she doesn't have to be a Captain Marvel type as this show is kind of still following that same blueprint as her mom is talking to her about you don't have to be like her, tell your own story. Like those messages are still present. So at least to this point, I still feel pretty good about it. And I'm sure there will be people who still complain about it. But I think at the end of the day, again, these, this, these are the creators of Miss Marvel, like the creator of the comic book is on this too. So like, obviously if they're on it, they obviously have some say and some input. Yes. Studios change things all the time. And I think that this is just a fact of life that people are going to have to get used to. I learned this in iron man three with the, with the extremist story. And I think everybody just needs to learn th- that after this amount of time, twenty eight films in six plus TV shows, the MCU is not the comics. They're just also, adapting. yeah
1: also, I, I think that, and this is not directed at the people with Miss Marvel criticisms because I think that it's a deeper issue. But yeah. I also think that it's part of I think part of it is that the MCU has actually really spoiled comic fans with yes. how faithful it's been to the comics. Like, Y'all, y'all were alive when the X-Men were wearing freaking motorcycle outfits. Like <laughs> you, like, I, you, like a, a Sp- Spider-Man did have organic webs. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the notion of, and once again, this is not, I think, mis- I, I guess what I'm trying to say is the thing that the MCU does mm-hmm. for me, at least, especially, in, especially at this point is I am absolutely fine with someone criticizing a change from the comics to the screen as long if if the criticism is simply it's not the same, then I don't care. But that's I don't think that that's what people are saying. Yeah. But I think the thing I don't like is I believe at this point, especially in this situation where the creators are involved, that if they are changing something from the comics, even if you don't agree with the reason, they are not doing it for the they're not doing it for the same reason why Brian Singer put the X Men in black jumpsuits. Right. Like they're doing it because they think it will make the story better and richer. They're not doing it because they're afraid of the comics being uncool or something like that. And so I I, I think that. If you're going to engage with the way that things are changed to the screen, engage it with the idea that whoever made the decision was doing what they thought was in the best interest of the story.
0: Agreed. Agreed on that front. And I think the last thing I'll say about it is I think when you're talking about from a standpoint where where people you know kind of critique stuff, it gets to the point for me where it's like you could be like, well, yeah, they made this change. But then the creator said something. But, oh, no, the studio, the studio doesn't let them have any pull. Like, at some point, you're going to have to address that part of it yourself. Like, and and, and that that's kind of prevalent in... So don't think, I don't yeah. think
1: that, I just based, I don't think that at this point, like, maybe Kevin Feige, I mean, if you want to call Kevin Feige the studio, then in this case, maybe. But, like, I don't think Disney or even Marvel Studios, like, above him, on a change like this, like I, oh, a change like this, I feel only would be made if it was Kevin Feige and the creator of yeah. the show and the creator of the comic sitting in a room together. Now, once again, you can disagree with the way that it came out, but I 100% it's not 2002. It's not 2002. Like, these decisions are not being made because they're afraid that, like, people won't think the comics are cool. These are the only movies and TV shows people watch. Like, they're not doing it for dumb reasons.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, so we're at AvengerCon, Con and. So Kamala is ready to do the, the captain Marvel cosplay and Mm -hmm. she's going to put on the gloves that Bruno, Bruno got her. So she goes to the bathroom, but she forgets the, Mm -hmm. she forgets the gloves and she gets Mm -hmm. back on. And then we have that, that fun moment where she puts the bangle on and she Mm -hmm. receives, she receives her powers, which visually looked pretty, pretty rad, pretty fun. Jake, Jake, what did you, what did you think of that sequence? I thought that it was really cool
1: in the way that they like, once again, visualize things from her perspective. It was completely with her the entire time. Like there was no, they didn't cut away to her standing still while she's imagining all these, like but she's imagining going through the floor and all that. Like, and, and I think that it kind of, it made it very clear that it's not just as simple as like these have energy in them. Like there's something spiritual going on. Mm-hmm. Um, that we don't have answers to. Um, but yeah, it definitely was in terms of places to realize you have superpowers. Uh, in the middle of a comic, uh, sorry, not a comic convention. In the middle of a superhero <laughs> convention is right. definitely a fun place. Uh, to realize them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, and it just, I really like the way it looks, like the energy around her. Um, because it, it also is the thing, fun thing too in this scene specifically, where it looks. Until she starts saving people, it looks just plausible enough that it could be, like, a trick. Like, it could be, like, LEDs right. or something. And I think that that's fun.
0: Right. And I think the, calam- the calamity that, ha- that ensues from this, I think, is going to be some of the f- more fun parts about this show. Because even with Spider-Man, Spider-Man already had his powers in the MCU. So, mm-hmm. we didn't get to see... I mean, obviously, we saw him make some poor decisions. But... Mm-hmm. Her having her powers and not being able to control them off the bat—that is, that's that was fun. That was fun mm-hmm. to see her simultaneously try and save Zoe, but then still like screwing up, which I mm-hmm. kind of hope to see more of. In it, really, is the classic hero's journey. So that. That was a great scene in general. That whole Avengers Con thing was cool. the The America's ass drawing uh, was mm-hmm. just a, was just a nice shot there. Just a, like a lot of um, a lot of nice um nods to the MCU stuff. Mm-hmm. That little photo of um both. And uh, Natasha I also do and love that the
1: America, the America's ass thing was great because I, when I first saw that I'm like, that was a private moment. How did they? Don- oh wait. Ant Man has a podcast. <laughs> Obviously, Scott. It, it kind of sucks that they—it's Ant Man <laughs> who has a podcast. Not that he wouldn't have a podcast, but because if they were to get someone who's like a tier lower in fame than Paul Rudd, they—I guarantee they would try to actually produce like four or five episodes of a show, like a fake show. But well, Paul is a little too famous to do that. But if it was someone like—if it was like Ned Leeds had a podcast, then you could imagine them doing the Ned Pod, where they get Jacob
0: adalon to do a couple hours of podcast. But anyway, um, I hope that mm-hmm. in Quantum Mania we at least get one scene of scott doing a podcast
1: at least one i mean what what my wish is, is and i'm putting <laughs> this out there and manifesting is that and i mean this completely sincerely i would love nothing more than for you me and jerome to in like a montage in because in this universe where superheroes exist where we host a podcast about real life superheroes like well we're we also like and you know of course like okay i know that you're saying that the vulture was spider-man's greatest threat now, i understand why you're saying that but you but like i wish we could, you know what i mean like a first take style podcast about you put, that's what you I put it in the air i'm putting it up there it, Marvel up studios you listening my yes. dms continue to be open uh but yeah that i feel like would be a lot of fun um or maybe you know yeah i guess like a, a fan podcast um and like you know maybe even miss marvel season two since she's a big fan where it's like and you know this is a huge pleasure for us i mean we've been doing this for how many years we got our first major guest you know or uh you know the artist formerly known as uh, actually i'm not gonna say that because that's an episode two never mind uh miss marvel <laughs> joining us on the podcast
0: <laughs> that is just great that is great so yeah, that's a whole at first, like you were saying, everybody thought that it was uh it was some parlor tricks and stuff like that, but yeah, calamity ensues. She's fortunate enough to save Zoe. Her and Bruno head back to Kamala's house, and and obviously, like he she goes, You can't tell anybody about this. And of course, Bruno Bruno's a number one he's number one guy in the chair. Respect to mm. him. He I, I already feel like he's gonna be a great, great supporting character, not only in this series, but going forward. But yeah, she she gets back in her and her mama's waiting for her with some stern, yeah. with some stern words.
1: We knew that was but, happening. We knew that the moment there was a 0% chance that her mom wasn't sitting in her bedroom. Like that was just a very, you know, classic, not in a bad way, just classic teen storytelling.
0: Yes, yes, yes. And, and then, you know, she, you know, Muniba talks about the, you know, not only the daydreaming, but again, the focus on. Telling your own story and how that that's going to be a part of that. I do like that. They made sure that this first episode was contained to mm-hmm. the these specific story measures, not only introducing Kamala in her world, but the family and, and Bruno. But the those messages, because it seems like those messages are going to be the most important ones throughout the series. And so we get her, you know, having that talk with Kamala, which obviously is a necessary one. But then in typical teenager fashion, as as she as she leaves, Kamala just sits down and starts doing what anybody who has those types of powers would do is start just like, uh, you know, ogling them. And, you know, she mm-hmm. goes cosmic. And that's how that's how the episode ends uh, before I talk any further. So in terms of just a pilot episode and, and just this drop in, what did you think of it overall?
1: So at the beginning of it, I had the thought of she better have her powers by the end of episode one. And I think that that's an obvious thing to say, but it's not an obvious thing. I've We've seen plenty of shows where they don't do stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and so I'm glad that they did that. And I think that they introduced the important things about her that, that they're going to explore how that relates. to Like, they built a full character before they gave her superpowers. And it feels like the next five episodes are going to explore... How that character that they showed is affected by having superpowers, you know? What I mean, because she's a fully formed human being, and then you know, in that's already interesting enough. And she already has enough problems, but she has a lot of problems now that she's a superhero,
0: right? And speaking of one of those problems, this show, which surprised me with a episode one mid credit scene, and which, mm-hmm. by the way, I I love the credits. Um, I love the music. I love just like again, you speaking about the palettes earlier. Those were pretty cool. Seeing all the images from Miss Marvel comics, I thought was really cool. But mm-hmm. we, yeah, we do have a uh, a, a mid credit scene as as a returning Agent Cleary. He's back from Spider Spider Man No Way Home, the Department of Damage Control, and they they get obviously a fo- a video, and that's what the thing about having cell phones. All that video is mm-hmm. gonna get out. So with, mm-hmm. there's a there's an enhanced uh, scratch, so you, scratch
1: scratch. What I said earlier, you are super washed. That's the most dad thing I've ever heard said. All these, all these cell phones today, you know, the video of everything.
0: The the hashtag is washed. All you need
1: post. to do is all you need to do. If you get some strong opinions on golfers leaving the PGA for the live tour, then you are completed your dad journey. So you just need to do that and then you're good.
0: <laughs> OK, that's great. But I think seeing him also sets up that part of it in terms of the the messaging and the story here, in terms of how she not only has to deal with everything around her, but now having these powers, what they mean for her, and this department who, since Spider-Man No Way Home, has been pretty heavily mm-hmm. involved in in doing stuff. It does make me wonder, later in the series, because... I know one of the things that the MCU hasn't kind of revisited is what is the whole story with the Sokovia Accords and what they mean now as yeah. opposed to what they meant uh before the mm. before the snap. So like that's just kind of stuff like uh and I'm guessing this and maybe She-Hulk will start to learn a little bit more about that mm-hmm. part of it the the legal mm-hmm. aspect of things. But we see Agent Cleary what what did you think of um this little scene?
1: I mean, I'm excited to see him again. I think that it's that if we're doing ground level heroes, but we're gonna exist in a Avengers world, I think that having these characters uh, is always an interesting like plot element, especially if like they're not necessarily like the big bad. If they're just like a, um, a kind of a irritant. Because that that Mm -hmm. kind of is like the whole thing with them is that they are just kind of irritating. When we know that the people we're watching are good, it is irritating to hear people want to make them fill out paperwork. Um, But yeah, we don't get that much, but I'm excited to see them again.
0: Yeah, for sure. And yeah, so like, I mean, for me overall, I really liked the pilot. I thought it was very well done. I think they have a clear mission in mind to introduce this new character and give us kind of like everything about her. That means something substantial to not only, you know, her and her family and everything otherwise, but her as a hero in the MCU and what that's going to mean for her as I think she's going to she, she's going to become a, a pretty big deal. Uh, again, Iman Valani is just she's killing it, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's just it's just casting is uh i forget who was it i think jerry brookheimer said that casting is 90 percent of a director's job and uh i think that that's an accurate statement uh because is most movies that don't work and if you can think of a reason they don't work most of the time the first thing is oh yeah casting bad, (laughs) and (laughs) i think that like this is just having a young person who once again and i beat this horse so much because i'm at the age now i'm at the age now where people who play people in high school are and i look in the mirror and i do not see someone who looks like they're in high school and so to (laughs) see someone who is actually i think she was like 18 when they made this it's like thank god she actually looks like a young person and that one as i as i think i talked about previously with the first couple spider-man movies that when you have someone who actually looks young It makes any action sequence that much more perilous because you're like, oh, my God, this person is actually like a child. There's a child who's in danger. Unlike if you have a 25-year-old playing an 18-year-old, you're not thinking that as you're watching it. Like in The Amazing Spider-Man, at no point are you like, oh, my God, Peter Parker's a teenager. You're like, no, he's a grown man (laughs) who happens to be in high school.
0: Yeah, for for sure. and. Yeah, like all that stuff, um, it it leads to an interesting series. I love these characters. I love her family and Bruno. I hope to see more of Nakia going forward and more of her world and what that's going to mean. The family mystery aspect of this intrigues me. I want to see where that goes. And yeah, so Miss Marvel Episode 1 is in the books. We'll be on Episode 2 next week. Uh, Jake, where can we follow you, my friend? You can
1: follow me at the TheJChristy. Uh, this Friday, I'm doing another uh, live stream thing that's not nearly as long as the 24-hour one. But basically, and this is because I can't, for the life of me, do something that's not convoluted. That me and the great Michael Springthorpe are obsessed with vines. And so I put together a bracket of the 256 best vines. And basically, the way it's going to work is we're going to watch them and talk along with them and vote on them. And if you want to vote, I put together the votable brackets... And I will give you the link to them if you donate $10 to F- uh, Fund Texas Choice, which is a, a organization that helps women in Texas get abortions out of state. If you don't donate $10, send me a DM. You will be able to vote along with the stream. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm personally pulling for back at it again at Krispy Kreme. But if you can do a coalition to let, you know, make Miss Keisha win, then we can make it happen. So tune into that if you're at all interested with, about the great art form that is a vine, as I am
0: absolutely and yeah make sure you check that out make sure you donate to uh, the important cause and I'm glad that jake and and spring are dedicating their wonderful time towards it I appreciate you guys for doing that of course you can follow me on twitter at anthony canton underscore three make sure you follow jerome at black dragon roll uh that damn
1: black dragon that
0: damn black dragon dragon roll on both twitter and instagram and and jerome i I see you on ig more like black dragon soul out there doing day parties on a boat what okay okay brother (laughs) okay he already knows this because i I made sure i dropped that comment on his ig but i I had to say it again my guy looking fly out here all right but um you can also follow the show at mc university pod uh check out our patreon Uh, MC University pod where we will... Jake and I will probably be looking at the boys pretty soon. We'll do a half-season check-in, something along those lines. And Mm -hmm. yeah, there'll be... There's new content coming all over the place. I did the first season of uh, Only Murders in the Building, season two is going to drop so definitely me and shiv will be on that at some point and, and
1: and ac maybe maybe your a co-host of yours might have i don't know caught up with the third season a couple weeks ago and might be on there with you who knows
0: oh well how about that there you go Amy ryan
1: killed it let me just say that's my take for season one amy ryan killed it oh she, she deserves was... better with it she deserved a better career anyway
0: we'll talk about it <sighs> yes yes we definitely will so again once again uh, thanks to everybody for your support. Oh, 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 I w- I would be remiss if I of do not, so. if I, for- if I forget about two of our, our, our MC university family, Howard Bryant got his Ricky Henderson book out today. Mm-hmm. Jake, I know you got a copy. Uh, make uh-huh. sure you support our guy Howard and Stephanie Williams, Nubia and the Amazons. Another, uh, another series came out today. Shout out to Steph. Shout out to Howard y'all are doing it big we appreciate you over here and uh yeah looking love seeing our friends killing the game out here so it's great stuff so for jay christie i am anthony kent on the third this has been marvel cinematic university and we will talk to you next time